So, as a literature person, can you tell me what the fuck that Cyrano de Bergerac stuff had to do with the nth degree at all? Well, Cyrano de Bergerac is a very famous play and story Uh about somebody with an ugly nose. Yeah, got it. And these episodes this week Uh were kind of the ugly nose of season four. Uh oh! I was hoping for like thematic resonances or well, something. Well, at the end, Cyrano dies, and I uh-huh. wanted to die at the end of watching these episodes. Okay, um, I uh, feel similarly. Uh, I, I I feel like uh, perhaps I was uh, premature in talking about how the fourth season was in a lull, and we're in the dregs of the dregs. We're in the dregs of the dregs. Um. Which, frankly, you know, I don't know how you felt about the nth degree, although I'm getting an inkling that you uh, did not like it. Yeah. But I think it's fine. You apparently like Barkley better. I like Barkley okay. I think everybody likes Barkley better than I do. That's very possible. Like, Uh, I I have since learned that there are a lot of people who actually enjoy Barkley, and I know why they enjoy him, but... Barkley is a character that doesn't appear much on the show. I think he's on it like maybe four times. So it's not like you have a lot of Barkley to worry about. So don't freak out that like, you know, in the sixth season, he's going to replace Riker or something. Cause oh. that, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I, I think he's harmless. And I think that his episodes are a little tonally different than the rest of the show. Yeah. And I just appreciate a character that's I, I... a little you know, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of his first appearance, although I have. No, he's different now. He's a little less cartoon. I not not that he's less cartoony in this episode, but he's. Well, if know. you if you think back to his to his first appearance in the third season, Hollow Pursuits, you know, he was a character which I had some problems with. Uh, and you can go back and listen to that episode if you want to know exactly what those were. But on the whole, I thought it was an okay episode, and I, I I have warm remembrances of Barkley. So, and I think this one this episode is one of the reasons why because it's 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 goofy. It doesn't make any sense, um, but it's fun, and everybody gets a chance to act a little strange, and Barkley gets a chance to act a little strange, and the end of the episode is nice. I I I mean, I guess I'm with that. I did like the ending of the episode. This is another you know Baylock episode where something think you think that something is going to be extraordinarily dangerous and horrible and turns out to be benevolent just portrayed in a very sinister way i mean at the end these aliens these Zytherians, they turn out to be you know it's basically santa claus you know at the end and you know they probably they have 10 days of a lot of fun and but the thing is we don't know you know and we don't know that for any of the episode and you would think that they would program that into Barkley as like one of the first things like he just keeps saying trust me trust me I'm gonna take over the ship it'll be fine and you know I don't know I guess well I don't know I mean let's we can talk about the episode but before we do that I I, I kind of want to get your your thoughts on Barkley because mm-hmm. you obviously uh did not have a strong reaction to him the first time and, and this time he's back and I don't know if you were expecting him to be back so soon or not but he's back and I would like to ask you why don't you like Barkley well I mean I guess I don't know that he I mean in the to be fair in this episode we don't really see Barkley himself. We see possessed Barkley. We see him a little bit in the beginning, but once the I mean and and I I don't dislike the version of him that's before he gets zapped by the probe. I mean, I think that moment when he's saying to Jordy, you know, "Oh, thank you so much for sending me on the mission," you know, well, like that's very nice. Yeah. He's he's actually you, you know, and I think he at this point has is is doing doing the doing his damnedest and doing pretty well at that but he's you know since we've last seen him i think he's been keeping his head down and working and doing this acting class and you know all of these things which yeah like this this episode and and cupid raised some interesting questions about exactly how much free time all these people have because Apparently, Beverly Crusher, who is the chief medical officer yeah. on the flagship of the of the of the star, you know, the flagship of 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 Starfleet, has enough free time to to run an acting class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I... and in Cupid, we find out that Picard has enough free time to 
do an in-depth study of a culture, archaeology, you know, an archaeological yeah. dig. Like, what, what is this? Like, yeah, what is yeah, going on here? I mean, you really think that the, I, I really think that the beginning of this, you know, the Cyrano scene was just because, you know, you get, it's one of those Gatesbeak fan and just wanted to wear that dress or something like that. Like, you know, just like, I would love to just do a scene from Cyrano because why not? Okay, let's figure how, out how to do that. Yeah, how to put that in. Like, I mean, I guess. She but... also, she's also the dance teacher. She also teaches jazzercise. Like, uh, you know, you know, that's a, we, this is maybe a thing about, maybe this is Crusher's personality. Like, she really is into athletics and drama. I mean, she's kind of, she's kind of like one of those high school seniors, you know, who's doing all of these different extracurriculars in order to get into med school. That could be, yeah. And I mean, maybe that is, maybe I, that's what she was, really, because, and just has these hobbies. And I will say that I, I like Crusher in both of these episodes. Yeah. I think it was a good week for Crusher. You know, we'll talk about Crusher's scenes in, in Cupid when we get to that episode. But, you know, she's very warm in this episode. She's very accommodating. She's very supportive. Yeah. It's good. It's all good. You know, and, and she's a fine actress. I mean, obviously, Gates McFadden is 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 acting. It's not... Beverly Crusher acting, yes. but we get to see some version of Beverly Crusher acting, which is good. And then we also get to see uh, uh, the actor who plays Barkley, whose name I can't remember. Uh, if I ever knew it, I don't know. Uh, it's frankly not that important to me uh, in my everyday life. But um, I'm, I'm sorry, whoever plays Barkley, that that's not important information for We're going to gonna get like the longest comments from this. Uh, probably. Uh, that, you know, he acts badly and that's hard for an actor to do so good for him he's got some range and then he gets to act really well later on uh you know and so the introduction is nice it just kind of makes it you know the the problems that we had last week with uh 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 night terrors yes is is kind of the opposite of this week where this episode feels very connected to what's going on in the past both of these episodes really mm-hmm. um you know barkley has obviously been seeing troy He's graduated. He's not able. He's not going to the counselor anymore. His social anxiety is is much uh, much more controlled. He yeah. seems to be more well integrated into the ship and the crew. Maybe he even has some friends. So everything seems to be going well for Barkley. And uh, then this thing happens and turns him into what exactly? Well, that's the question. Ooh. Um, I'm just glad they didn't go down the road of explaining that the reason why Barkley was so intelligent is because he was using 100%, 100% of his brain. brain. Yeah, um, which is what we call a, an epileptic uh, seizure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. The, the, I would say that the, the human brain is very specifically structured to not use 100% of it at once because that will kill you. Um and yes, you do eventually use up all of it. It's not empty space. That would be in anyway. Yeah, no, no. They 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 essentially say he's been reprogrammed to get to this spot, and which is interesting, I guess. I mean, and something that well, I think that you is know, not impossible. I I you know I I can kind of see you know this episode is very slight and perhaps doesn't have a, a lot of of resonances down the road. But I like it because it's a good, strong example of, of sort of just Star Trek optimism at its best. Yeah. You know, there's that scene in, in the ready room where uh, they're all talking about Barkley and they want to lock him up or whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird because there's this whole undercurrent of, I think everybody like tries to like Barkley and no one really likes him, but yeah. they feel bad for not liking him. So they all sort of pretend to like him. And given the opportunity or given a reason or the druthers to... Uh, perhaps one have a reason to lock up Barkley. Yeah. Suddenly everyone's chomping at the bit to throw him <laughs> into the brig, which I well, think is interesting. You know, Barkley is that guy, and there's no reason to dislike him. There, It's not like he's a mean person. It's not like he's bad at his job. It's not like Well, he's... he kind of was. But, I mean, he, I mean, he kind not of now, was. But, but, yeah. but, they, but the, you know, there's been other reasons. And, you know, especially even in Hollow Pursuits, I think they all seem to think that he has you know, the latent abilities, and he's certainly smart enough to do the job. It's just he has other issues. Sure. And, you know, by this point, again, everybody has recognized that, oh, he's actually very good at his job. You know, Jordy wouldn't have called him on the mission if he didn't think he was ready to do that. You know, we were intended to assume that he's getting so much better, but at the same time, they just don't really, because he tries a little too hard, and it's 
a little off-putting for everybody who seems to be a bit more naturally themselves. Barkley has a hard time being himself, and that's awkward for it to be around. Yes. It's, it's unfortunate, and it is something that people with social anxiety know and understand and are very aware of as they are unable to help it. But it is – I mean, that that's a very real thing, and I – I think it's interesting that the show recognizes that. I mean, a lot of the people I know who like Barkley like him because he is a good depiction of being not quite in that inner circle, of being a little too awkward to be in that inner circle. Yeah, no, I think that's all right. And, and you, you know, know, as opposed to even somebody like O'Brien, who was not a main cast member, but doesn't really care. He's happy with Keiko and there, you know, he's doing his thing. He's happy hanging out in the transporter room and redoing circuits or whatever the hell he does. For yeah, exactly. You think that you you could think that Bark, you know, that that O'Brien is probably happy, you know, eighty percent of the time. Like he's just he's content with his life. Yeah, and he has he has occasional bad days, but otherwise it's fine. Barkley's not content, and that's that's hard. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, but but I like the fact that Picard sticks up for him. Yeah, and and kind of says, well, what is he doing? Like, what is he actually doing? Is he doing anything dangerous? And they're all just kind of like, no, he's not. So I guess we can't actually lock him up for no reason. But at the same time, they probably ought. Well, I was to say, you know, given at the end that it turns out that everything is okay, you know, that's fine. He didn't he did not do. But they don't know that until the very end of the episode. And so in a way, he does take over the ship. So in a way, locking him up might have been a better preventative action. I guess so. Yeah, you could certainly make that argument, right? But but uh, Heinz, I don't know that that's the argument that the episode is trying to make no. necessarily, and I don't know that that's an, an argument that 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 we want to make either. You know, I, I don't think that they should be locking Barkley. Aww. Uh, you know, and I think that you know it's well then the 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 the, the, the because they didn't put an, a guard on Jordy last week. You know, they can just get that guard and assign him to Barkley and, you know, yes. have him follow. Like, why can't they do that? Why don't they have people shadowing the people who are acting weird that week? You would think that would be standard procedure. You would think that Worf has a fairly extensive security team right now. I think that Worf would probably do it. Yeah. And I love how, you know, they shoot Worf down half the time. Like, they really don't listen to their security officer. I'm glad you picked up on that because that is a, a cliche of the show yeah. as well. Uh, you know, what I like about this, though, is that I think the episode is, is you know, I'm going to defend it a little bit because I, I do like it. And I think hmm. that, you know, it's a little smarter, I think, than you're giving it credit for. Because if you look at Barkley as, you know, a good depiction of someone with social anxiety disorder, which I will not disagree with. I mean, I don't know that much about social anxiety, but, you know, I know enough and it seems like it's a pretty good depiction of it. Um, you know, that that the crew of the Enterprise, you know, you've got Picard, Riker, Troy, Jordy, Data, you know, all the all the AAA yeah. members of the crew are kind of the inside circle and they're the cool people and everybody wants to be them or love them or sleep with them or whatever it is. Um, and, and then you're, here you have Barkley, who is the show's representation of someone who is outside of that inner circle. Yeah. Right. And in this episode, what you get is you get Barkley suddenly treating them the way that they've always treated Barkley. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's it doesn't do enough with that on one hand. I think that I didn't want it to I didn't want that to become the explicit text of the episode. No, but it But is. I don't think that the show necess- I don't think that the episode or the script necessarily realized that that what was that's what was going it, on. I mean, it was close at one point, you know, Troy, you know, when Troy's saying, you know, we're all scared, you need to stop and he said, you know, look, children are scared, you know, their parents have to take them out, you know, because they and she says, you know, so we're children to you. And I mean, does he, he doesn't really have an answer for that. He doesn't remember. really have an answer yeah, for it. No. But, and, you know, so like it does touch on the fact that he is that, you know, he is acting this weird paternal way, you know, and he, he is, he, nothing that he does, does harm them. You know, it turns out that they are not wrong to, if they were to trust them, him, they would not be wrong. It's not like he does put them in any, any, any danger. At the same time, I mean, her, her, I mean, I, I think about her point when she says, you know, how can we trust an officer that doesn't follow orders? I mean, like things like that. Like, yeah, that's, it's not just about competency. It's about the ability to work with other people. And, yeah. you know, even as, 
it's interesting because the 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 episode before this episode happened, if you had asked Barkley, he would probably point to his lack of confidence and his lack of competence as the reason that he is not really on the same level as everybody else. And yet at this point, competence and confidence are not at all his problems. And yet he is still just as outside of everybody else. Yeah, well, Barkley is is a character that is never going to be in the inner circle, frankly, I yeah. don't think. And he's not someone who's who's constitutionally fit for that. Yeah. You know? He's always going to be the guy who's a little awkward, and he's always going to be the guy who's a little outside of things. And maybe that's okay. Well, that's the thing. I think in the, you know, again, just as O'Brien, you know, is cool with his life, you know, I think this episode ends with Barkley a little better able to... You know, take the data, you know, as as Troy says, you know, you're going to figure out how to take this experience and how to learn from it. And, you know, and there's going to be a sense of loss. But at the same time, you know, there are things you will retain from that. And you get the sense that he is going to be able to retain some of that feeling in a way. And that he is, you know, he does know from this that they all still do trust and like him. And, you know, he hasn't been court-martialed and he's been given his, you know, he's still doing that level three diagnostic. So, well, and that's really the thing too, right? Is that, 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 you know, we know that these people aren't mean or vindictive. And so while Barkley can feel uncomfortable around them or feel perhaps that he's being a little unfairly maligned or whatever, Mm -hmm. although I think that he's not there anymore, I think that certainly yeah. in, in, in his first appearance, he was much more there. Um, you know, it's it's Barkley is a conduit for those sorts of feelings to come out. And so, but it's a safe place for those feelings to come out because we as the as the audience know that these people are not going to perhaps mistreat him. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I do think that their their residence reticence about him or their their sort of fears about him are are not exactly unjustified um and perhaps picard doesn't make the best decision about him in this episode because again he does take over the ship but but at the same time picard is admitted to mistakes you know so it's well well yeah picard is admitted to mistakes and i think picard also you know this is an episode really about unintended consequences in effect you know because Mm, the probe is intended to do one thing but instead does another thing and causes this other thing to happen and then everything works out okay in the end but it it may not have right yeah we don't know um and you know even to the point where barkley doesn't seem to know why he's doing what he's doing but he's doing it anyway yeah until the end he seems to be just doing it because he can right and you know just for the sheer you know oh well we might we can do that you know we i i have this idea and we should do this and it's going to be so great that you know we have to, you know, I, I mean, that moment when he kind of takes over when they're uh, um, with the photon torpedoes and all of that with the shielding. Um, and he does a lot of that. And I think, you yeah, know, like he, you know, what he did was very, you know, according to, you know, the book and all of that, very bad. I mean, he essentially took over several computers, you know, openly defied an order over, you know, that, it, you know, it works out remarkably well in the end for him. But he is doing things wrong, you know, and and in this episode, he's he's the kind of character that that Star Trek uh, doesn't do now, right? Like, I think that this version of Barkley would fit in much more on the original series Enterprise than he would on the Next Generation Enterprise, you know, because he is someone who does what he does and doesn't really listen to orders. And this is not that kind of ship. This is a very regimented ship. This is a ship yeah. where people work together harmoniously because it's the 90s and everyone's happy. Well, you know, it's interesting because I have been thinking actually a lot about that, you know, and, you know, before going in when you said, you know, it was mandated that the, you know, officers don't argue with each other or that there are no personality conflicts. And in practice, it has been fairly different than I expected. I mean, the most overt conflicts are always with, you know, somebody's possessed, there's a you know, external cause, you know, there's some, some kind of space goo is making everybody be mean to each other, you know, but those moments, number one, do come off fairly creepy or shocking when they happen because it does happen so little. And I mean, there, it, it does characterize these people, not so much as 
I mean, there is a, an amount of the there of their next step of, you know, cultural evolution, sure. But these people are professionals. And I mean, like even in a you know, you, you think of people in a professional setting working in a – in other words, you know, you think about a military unit. They're not going to stop in the middle of the mission and argue with each other. They're going to have to do what they have to do. Right, and right. That gives this – I mean the sense – you know, it does feel very regimented, this, this ship. This is a – everybody does respect the captain, so you're not going to go against the captain. And I mean all of these people have earned their stripes in a way. And these are the best of the best. You don't get on the Enterprise unless you are fairly elite, and they're not going to necessarily hire people with personality issues. Or are they? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I mean, the, it. these feel like factors that are going into that, and they actually make it seem a little less cheesy, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I thought I, it would be very cheesy before. Yeah, and I think that you know, well, the first and second season version of these well, characters, I think, is a, is a, maybe is a bit more cheesy than than now. You know, these feel like real people as opposed to the first and second season when they were yeah. much more of the original series style of, of, yeah. of characterization. They don't fight with each uh, other because they like each other and because they they're 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 working on a mission that's bigger than them. Right, and 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 frankly, they have better things to do than yeah. argue with each other too. I mean, you know, these are people that are are, are frankly just a little bit more mature. Yeah, you know, and 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 they. They certainly, they're grown ups. They're grown ups, and they, it's not that they don't have passions, and they don't have, they don't get into arguments and stuff. But it's, it's, it, they realize the importance and the, or, or the non importance of it, and so they yeah. sort of step back from it when they can. It's, it's part of probably their training to realize it's not appropriate now, and we have to put that aside for after hours, really. But, but you know, it's funny because if you think back to what Barkley was going through in Hollow Pursuits, where you know, Jordy was very annoyed with him all the time, uh, sort of hypocritically or not, because Jordy also well, had yeah. a holodeck fantasy, uh, which came to bite him in the butt a couple weeks ago, as we saw. Uh, or didn't bite him in or, the butt, which was what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but but thank you. But he wanted Leia Brahms to go there. Oh! That, you know, he was very annoyed by this, and he was annoyed by Barkley, and he yeah. was annoyed by the fact that he was always late. And in this episode, we get a replay of that scene where mm. Barkley is late and Jordy asks where he is and he's in a holodeck and Jordy goes to find him and he's very much acting like Jordy was a year ago. Yeah. But Barkley is different. And I think that that also annoys and he Jordy. Is doing, he is late for a holodeck fantasy, but a very different one, you know? And and that was my other question. Like when there were like, oh, you know, well, what are we going to, why don't they just say, look, Barkley, Hang out in the holodeck with Professor Einstein. Solve math. Like, I, 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 w- I think that would have been the e- – that's what I would have done. Just like, all right, give him the day off. He's just going to fuck around and do whatever, and then he won't bother anybody. Well, I think the problem was that they needed to fix the telescope, and Barkley said that he knew how to do it. So yeah, that was that yeah. was the issue there. Yeah. Well, he knew how to do it more efficiently. They were still going to be able to do it, and they were originally going to be able to – they were originally digging down to doing it in two weeks, but... But it was going to take them, like, months and months, and now Barkley can do it in an hour. Yeah, but he didn't, did he? Did they ever fix the telescope at the end of the... Uh... Yeah, they fixed it, remember, because oh, the fusion reactors were going to go, and the Barkley was able to fix it by getting tapped into the computer, and all that stuff happened, and then mm-hmm. I think they kind of forgot about it, but we're supposed to assume it was fine. Oh, I thought they just, like, got it to be stable. They didn't actually fix it. I don't know. I, you know... They they had more important things to do, which was go to the center of the galaxy and find the Zytherians. And meet Santa Claus. Which was fine. You know, I thought that was really interesting, and that was a nice little end to the episode. You know, I don't think that the episode would have worked nearly as well if that wasn't the end. I mean, Santa was so cute in that episode. He you was just wanted... like, oh, you're, you're bipedal. Oh, have a Werther's original, you know? Yeah, exactly. He was giving them space candy all week. I'm sure that they had a great week. They hung out and they learned a lot and they, you know, went to Zytherian poetry readings and <laughs> whatever, you know, and it was fun. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I will give this one uh, six. six, six, just six, six. What? I don't know. Let's move on to <laughs> Cupid. And that's Trek about for this week. We will uh, talk to you next week when we... <laughs> This is probably about the best Q makes everybody go through Robin Hood that we could have had. I appreciate the fact that the 
Sherwood Forest portion of this episode is actually a lot less time-consuming yeah. than I remembered it being. It's because not the whole episode. Yeah. It doesn't. Ha- it's only really about fifteen minutes of the episode, mm-hmm. which I think is about as much as that as you could stand, frankly. Uh, I really hate this episode. I could see why. I thought it was. It, it, it's an episode which certainly does not go where I wanted, expected, or needed it to go. Where did you want, expect, or need it to go? I thought that point when he said, "Oh, we can go to the ruins of this planet," you know. You know, we could even go into the past. I thought that's what they were setting up. Like, all right, Q's going to take everybody to this ruin that they've been talking about this entire episode. And he's going to have an adventure in there. Uh And then he'll come back and then, you know, he'll give the speech and it'll have a certain poignancy to it because he's lived that. That's where I thought the episode was going to be. And that would have been fine. But where did they get Robin Hood from? They just had a bunch of these costumes. It's one of those, you know. I, I I think yes, that is true. And I I really don't like it when Star Trek plays dress up like this. I liked Patrick Stewart in that shirt, but that's about it. It was all just fine. Like You know, there were I mean there were moments that I thought was were funny, like I thought the it, you know, when he, you know, Guy of Ginsborn is all, well, then you're going to be executed. Just like, oh, no, no, I'll marry you. And then, like, you know, Q is completely shocked that she would go through with that. You right. Know? Like, things like that were. Well, what does she care? Yeah, that, and then that's the thing. She's like, well, this isn't, you know, much preferable. And, I'll f-, and she basically says, you know, I'd rather I rather be alive and I'll figure something out. You know, well, the episode is very strange because it's it's basically like three episodes in one. Yeah. And. While I like where it ends up at the very end with v- Vosh and Q going off yes, and they're going to have adventures. that's a really great – I, w- I want to see that spinoff. Of all the two uh, – you will see them again. Of all the two characters in the show that probably were weird and were never going to meet and now they're off gallivanting across the galaxy, I feel like Vosh and Q are the two best ones suited to that. It makes sense. I like Vosh. I did in the her episode. You and know, it, she's yeah, she's a good version of the female rogue character, and I think, but well, it's it's you know, it's it's hard to talk about because I like a lot of this episode, yeah. but then it just kind of comes to this hard stop when they go to Sherwood Forest, and you know, the very <laughs> the very the very first fifteen minutes of the episode, but because let's not forget, yeah, the, the, you know, for a Q episode, Q is not in a lot of it, which I I frankly like. Um, because again, on this rewatch, Q has never been one of my favorite characters and he continues to not be one of my favorite characters because I feel like he wears out his welcome very mm. quickly. Uh, and you will be happy to know that Q does not come back until the sixth season after oh, this. Good. So we have quite a long time without Q. Like Q has an arc, but I don't care about it. You know, he menaces yeah. the ship. He gets kicked out of the Q continuum. He gets back to the Q continuum. So like, he's like, again, every single one of his appearances rec- references his previous appearance. He's, you know, and but at the same time, it's, again, well, he's not a character I particularly love or care about, I guess. One of the things about Q that I think is 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 probably the most striking about him is that he is a character that fits into the initial conception of the show <clears throat> as more of a TOS-style thing, right? And to the degree that they have been able to fit Q into this version of the show, which is much more character-based, much more drama-based, is not really about omnipotent beings. Yeah, philosophically, it's a very different... Right. I I think it's interesting and and, and indicative of the the high, the the generally high level of quality of the writing staff that they were able to fit Q in. But I still don't like him, and I don't know why they keep using him, because he doesn't really add anything to the show. I don't it's one of those things like I guess again like we were talking about last week about how you know they have 26 episodes and they just need to do 26 episodes and every once in a while you just got like maybe you I just mean, did people need like stuff Q like you at the time people did yeah so that might have even been I mean I'm sure that was part of it you know this is the I think and I think that, we're gonna have Q again this week oh boy I'm gonna watch you know but I think you know to to your point about doing 26 episodes like 
there's stuff like this in Deep Space Nine too, like where the 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 executive producer just really liked something and yeah. kept doing it, even though no one else really liked it. Uh, he's just really enamored. I think you can get away with that kind of thing a lot more when you're doing 26 episodes a season than you can when you're doing 13 yeah. to 10. Again, one not so great episode, you know, it works better when it's, you know, a tenth, you know, a tenth of your season versus, you know. Right. And so what 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 I think is 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 kind of interesting about Cupid is that, you know, Q's not in it that much. He's not in it at all for the first 15 minutes. You know, the first 15 minutes of the episode I like as as far as they go. Yeah. You know, it's a very low-key sort of hangout episode. You know, Picard's worried about his speech and Troy is giving him a pep talk. And then he goes to bed and Vash is there. And it's like, oh, how'd she get in? Well, this is kind of worrying because maybe they should have better security for the captain's quarters. I don't know. And they, I would say that, the, you know, he brings him on the bridge and Worf is like, I... We're let I, I we're letting anyone onto the bridge now, you know. Sure. And there's like, yeah, he's a friend of the captain's, you know, that they, we've never heard about since then. And they they make up and you know, then they eat croissants in the morning after they've had sex, I guess, is what we're supposed to think happened. Uh but you know, like the 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 strange thing is number one is that uh from what I remember of Captain's Holiday, it didn't really I don't think that it ended poorly for them, but I didn't really get the impression that either one of them really cared all that much about the other one. And so it, it, it kind of like Picard's reaction to Vosh in this episode, obviously Vosh is using him, right? Like yeah. Vosh doesn't necessarily, I mean, I think Vosh does like the captain. There, but there is a sense that, you know, if things were different, you know, we would have been, you know, cause they do have a very strong chemistry together. They are definitely attracted to each other. They work well together. They banter, you know, they, they 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 are two people who but at the same time you know they make it very clear we live very different lives we are very different people she is always going to be looking for to swindle somebody and you know to, you know she's a liar and she's trying to you know that's who she is she makes no excuses for it she enjoys who that is and Picard, right, so, Picard himself so you know Picard is the, the consummate captain and he follows the rules you know and all of that they're just, again, they're attracted to each other, but very different. It's their typical, you know. But I think my issue with that, I mean, yeah, that's all true. But, yeah, yeah. but, but you know, my point really is that, you know, Vosh is there for a very specific reason that really has nothing to do with Captain Picard. And she's using him and she doesn't yeah. feel bad about it. She may like him. She may have some, some feelings for him. But at the end of the day, Vosh is who she is. It's a much so, more pleasant version of when she normally uses people. Exactly. You know, she just happens to like the guy she's using. Right. And But I don't think that she really cares about him on a fundamental level. <laughs> Whereas Picard seems to really, really like her, which is strange because... Number one, the show goes along. You know, this episode is 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 going a long way to point out that Picard is very private and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's all things that we know before. Picard does not have a lot of romantic adventures or romantic entanglements. You know, Vosh is really the only one we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, maybe the 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 Beverly thing with the holog, you know, the the doppelganger uh, Picard from Allegiance um, from last season is another one, but that wasn't really Picard. So it's it's we don't really see Picard in this kind of yeah. dynamic before, and. Frankly, you know, him falling for Vosh in this way makes him seem like kind of adult. And I don't know, know that I, I don't know that I appreciate that. I mean, I don't I wouldn't say she doesn't care for him at all. I mean, oh no, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I, and I, I think, I think she, like I think, I think she where does, she goes but... with this because, you know, as as the first, you know, again, this first part of the episode as it goes on, she seems to get more and more you know, surprised and a little upset that he hasn't mentioned her like I don't know. She starts off being very amused. Like, obviously, when Crusher comes in, you know, she, you know, thinks, you know, she figures, all right, Picard and Crusher have a thing. But, uh, you know, this is awkward and funny, you know. But I think as she goes and realizing that realizes that nobody heard this story, I think that gets like it's not even like he confided in Riker. Oh, I went to this adventure. I mean, that that I can see. It would make more sense if that were more angled for her, less upset for herself, and more just, like, really surprised and a little sad for Picard that he is this kind of person who just – he kept this entire adventure to himself. Again, you get the sense that for her, while this was just another job, it was a particularly enjoyable job. It was a particularly 
memorable job. I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we have fundamentally different readings on Vash, I think, because you seem to think she's more genuine than I do. I mean, I don't find her genuine at all. Oh. I mean, I think that she probably does like Picard as far as anybody does, but she's kind of a sociopath. And I think she's using him. Like, she may feel fondly towards him. She may have some warm feelings towards him. But fundamentally, on, on, on like a fundamental level, I don't think that she cares about him that much. And I don't see that that reading is really in, in you know, I, I don't see that that reading is justified by this episode. Well, that's 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 possible. No, we need to argue. No, we don't need to argue. Yeah. And, and you know, but again, like whatever Vosh does is whatever Vosh yeah, yeah, does. She's not really the impor- important part of the episode. It's It's more about Picard and how he seems like an idiot, frankly, for this. And, you know, you can say, well, he doesn't have a lot of romantic entanglements and he doesn't maybe he doesn't date a lot. So he doesn't really, you know, but. I don't know. It just, it seems weird. Like if, if someone that I had a a weird adventure on a vacation a year ago with suddenly turned up in my apartment, I wouldn't be that happy to see them, you know? And so it just strikes me as weird. I I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he doesn't seem more, I mean, he says, how did you get in rather than like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like if, if he walked in there and Riker were in there, he would say, how would you get in here? You right. Know? Because, you know, look, my door is locked. But, you know, he wouldn't he would expect Riker to be on the ship. He it doesn't seem be surprised a, that she's there. Yeah. And he, I mean, he even says, you know, I, I didn't realize you were on the committee. Like if he had looked at, at the committee list and realized that, oh, she's on my ship right now. Then how did you get in would make more sense, you know, because, oh, he knew she was in there and her breaking in is something that he's not surprised as as the type of thing she would do. But I mean, obviously, they don't front load the information that Vosh is there because they want it to be a surprise yeah, to the audience but as he well. Acts but different. Yeah, he yeah. acts. He he doesn't act how he would, I guess. I, yeah, I think that's part of my problem with it is that he he seems to be a lot more into Vosh for for reasons that I frankly don't understand. And than Vosh don't, is you to know, him. They don't make it. Yeah, I, I think the epi- the episode kind of wants it both ways. It wants us to say that you know Vosh was somebody that you know Picard had a fling with and ha- is an unresolved in a way an, an unresolved person in his life. You know, he enjoys her company. He doesn't want to admit that he enjoys her company. He feels that that's Picard, you know, so to speak, does not want to let her hair down. And she's somebody that, you know, if he wants to let his hair down and enjoy some time with somebody, she can do, you know, they can do that together. And the episode is about him admitting in a way that he's human in that way. But at the other hand, it kind of wants him to declare her as the love of his life. And that's, there is no version of Picard that. I mean, I guess it, 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 it could just be as simple as the the show is of a time and place in american culture yeah. and it you know it, it just it wasn't able to say yeah let's just have some casual sex like maybe that's just not where the show could be because culturally it could not get away with that but i mean, I mean at the you same know, you time to, you I do mean, have to remember that you know this was on at eight o'clock at night and well, well let me let you know, me people watch this with their kids so here's the thing Worf and that other uh what's her name um the mother of his child Kaylair. Kaylair, yeah um I mean, I think it's interesting that they essentially have a, you know, they have have Klingon sex and he is immediately saying, oh, we need to get married. We need to get married. And she's, you know, upset by that and saying, like, look, I'm not look. This was fun. You know, I like you. This was nice. But, you know, that that's different from I mean, but I don't think that that's any different from the from the relationship that Picard and Vosh. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that. I think that's that's kind of interesting that here are two cases in which it is the. You know, in the woman is much more casual about you know her sexuality and more willing to, you know, enjoy these encounters for what they are. And it is the man who makes it. It's symbolic of a much bigger, much higher emotional stakes. Yeah, and I think well, yeah, and I, I, well, I don't know what what is your what is your reasoning for why that is. I don't know if it's as simple as, you know, coming at, you know, this is where, in a way, the feminist movement was in that saying, you know, there was, there is, a de- was considered a degree at this point where, you know, women should be able to be sexually open in the same way men are, you know, you know, it, it's not just, we don't just have to, women don't just have to be virgins, you know, or they are okay, you know, um, and then I, th- I think it's just trying to just make that kind of a lady just early 90s gender subversion. Okay, we'll have the guy being more 
conservative in that way and you know or in a way to just contrast that i don't know if that's i i think i think that that's a i think that's a fair reading of it i think and i don't i don't think that that's i don't think that's incorrect but i will just say that i don't think that's the reason why they did it that way uh, because think about I mean, maybe not in, in te- probably unintentionally. Well, because I think that I think the real reason why they did it that way is well, there's two reasons. Number one, you you know, again, you're at a certain cultural moment in American culture, so it's it's very it would not have been uh, uh, very forthright or very likely for them to have two characters that were just having casual sex. Yeah, you know, on a, on a TV show, family friendly in 1991. Yeah, certainly. Uh, the other thing I think is that if you think about which characters are the ones who have the strong feelings towards these women and want to have a relationship. It's not that the men want to do it. It's that the main characters want to do it. Yeah, that's true. Because if you think about, you know, think about Kaylair and Worf, think about if it was reversed, Worf would be very dismissive and be very like, you know, just be like, I want to get married. That would seem really mean. And that would not make us, feel good towards the character that we're spending the majority of our time with. So I think that's really the reason they did it that way. And, you know, there are a couple things in, because I was about to say, well, on the one hand, you can say, well, that's Vash. She is a vamp character then. I mean, that is a, that is an archetype as well. I mean, she, that's exactly what she's doing with Guy of Ginsborn, feeling that, okay, well, I have the sexuality and I don't mind using it as, in a way, an asset as a weapon, as a tool. And, you know, I've done it before. And, you know, that's, that's what she's doing in that exact situ- scenario. So it could be used as a kind of combination, but at the same time, Kaylair is not condemned for her casualness in the first episode. Oh no. And in the second episode, we also find out that they have a child together that, and that she also, part of her reticence was she was, a little freaking out that the father of her child is, you know, making these, you know, overtures that she's not necessarily ready to deal with. But at this point, she is more, you know, right. she, she comes in the second episode because she's finally, okay, you know, she's used to the idea of the proposal and ready to go back on it. So, you know, th- that I guess says as much as well. Yeah, no, I think that's true. It's 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 with everything else of the show that... Every two steps forward goes several steps back, in a way. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, well you, you know something about that. Like, we'll have Troy on the bridge, and, you know, she's the ship's counselor, and she's in a very prominent position. But in the Troy episode, she gets men. You know, oh, like yeah. that, those kind of things. You know, we can have Dr. Crusher be the doc. You know, she's she's a woman. She's in, you know, she's a mother. She's of the, you know, but she's very competent. But... She's not always treated the best, you know? They, yeah, yeah. I guess in in that kind of a sense. I, yeah, I, I, I guess so. And I mean, I think if you really want to see, like, strong female characters in Star Trek, um, you probably have to wait for Deep Space Nine. Mm. Again. <laughs> I keep, I keep, let's just... What if I hate this show, though? I'm I don't know. really worried. If you hate Deep Space Nine, I think I just have to kill you. Okay, we can have, like, a fight. Da, 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 da. Let's talk about Q. Uh, it's th- again. This is a this is a very like sort of uh, uh hung together episode. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of structure. I feel like they just had maybe some uh, elements lying around that they had to use, and uh, I don't know exactly why Q was in this episode, other than maybe they didn't have enough story. Otherwise, well, they had to get him into Sherwood Forest somehow. Uh, why? Are you just no? You know something? I I literally think that at some point. Someone jokingly said, I really just have this image of Worf being in a Robin Hood outfit and saying, I'm not a merry man. And that they wrote that entire section just to make can that I, happen. Can, can I can I admit something right now? Is it about Star Trek going comedy? Because No, it's about that Worf line. Everyone fucking loves that line. I believe it. And I do not. I think it's terrible. <laughs> It's probably one of the worst lines in the entire franchise. It's so on it's, the nose and it doesn't fit with the tone of this. And wh- then the Animal House parody that just happened. Right. And yeah. And then w- it's the why, show trying to do comedy. Why would Worf know 
about the Merry Men. Well, that, I, why would Worf know anything about Sher- what, what? Why? I would say, you know, yeah, like Picard is the only one. Who's- I don't know anything about Robin Hood. They were rattling off things I about know, Robin Hood. Like, and I'm like, I, I know the- Robin Hood. I know Sherwood Forest. That's all I know. Sheriff of Nottingham made Marion. They're like, Tuck. they're like, oh, here's Friar Tuck. And you're the guy with the mandolin. And, and there's the castle. And I'm like, what are they? Th- what? Why is everyone suddenly a fucking Robin Hood scholar? Like, what is going on? here oh this episode just makes me angry well maybe q gave them robin hood knowledge oh yeah maybe yeah and it's like why does and why does q why, have, why does why q is have it to... robin no no i mean and that's the thing like if it would have made sense if somebody had mentioned like i said that's why i thought it would have been taken place in the ruins in the past because that would have been number one thematically connected. that would have been a fine episode that would have been a great episode but it still could have been called Cupid and all that stupid shit could have happened and it would have been fine, but it just would have been not this. Yeah, you know. they. Could... But you know what? We got to see Patrick Stewart fake stab someone with a sword, so that was exciting. I don't know. I mean, it's like, just... what, what, can you, I, I, what can you really say about that portion I of the mean, episode? It's uh, just, know, something... it, it's there. It happened. Well, let me put it this we way. We never like, have to watch it again. Netflix is really coy about this episode, I will say. like the Good for Netflix. Um, I don't remember what the screenshot is, but it's just a fairly generic, like, uh, you know, it's not like them in costume or and it's not a Vash. It might even be of Q. I'm not 100% sure. Sure. Uh, but the description is basically Picard is giving a big speech about archaeology <laughs> and it's like <laughs> number one i know this is a q episode okay it has the letter q in the in the title and it's a bad pun but like they don't mention anything about robin hood or vash well that was good i mean were you surprised when that happened i was surprised about vash okay i was very surprised about robin hood yeah i can see that Absolutely. again they go into the forest and i'm like you know, when they say, like, oh, is this, where are we, you know? And then Picard said, oh, this is medieval Europe or whatever. And it's like, oh, I thought they, he was putting them on the ruins of the planet and they just happened to look like Robin Hood. Which well, would have why? Been okay. why? Why would you think that, Richard? Eric, because I don't Is Star Trek ever that subtle know. when it does comedy? Is it? I didn't. Re- you have you have enough experience with Star Trek doing comedy now to know that that was not going to be the case. Come on. I, oh, I never want Star It's just... I always tell myself that Star Trek's not doing comedy until it's t- been doing it for 10 minutes because I'm usually in denial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably accurate. I like want to watch a good Robin Hood movie now, like Men in Tights or something. I've never seen that. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't think I you could watch it now. It's like I, the kind of movie you have to see in middle school. I'm not a big Mel Brooks fan, so... I mean, I think he's fine. You could see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I understand why he's important to comedy history, but no. Yeah, I, I, you know, on the whole, I just think this episode is is very incidental, and I I just think that we never have to watch it again, which is good. They just had a bunch of Robin Hood costumes, and John Delancey wanted to work that week. Like, that. that's one of the—that's this episode. Are you—are you concerned at all about Q— like does this I mean I, I, I'm not this, like does, worried for his health or anything no that's not what I mean it's like <laughs> I mean I hope he's eating right and you know well, when it's raining he has an umbrella but well because I mean like I know that you don't pretend I mean I don't know I don't want to put words in your mouth but but I don't think that your Q is one of your favorite characters let's say I, I, mean, I, I mean I don't think you dislike him as much as I do but like, like I'm at the point where when somebody tells me that Q is one of their favorite characters I judge them a little I guess Okay, sure, that's fair. And I've probably offended half of our fan base. Well, you know, that that's fine. I mean, you don't know what you're talking about, so. I don't. Yeah, I, you know, it's weird to me because for the only Q episode that we get in a while, I mean, you know, let's not forget the last appearance was Deja Q all the way back in the third season. And How now, are you saying these names with a straight face? And he's not going to be back again until the fifth season when we have. Uh, Q, it ain't so. Q, it ain't so. Yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, I forget what the fifth one is, but anyway, it doesn't really matter at this point. Or no, sixth season, sorry. Uh, True Q, that's what it is. Um, Yeah, we have True Q. No, don't say it anymore. (laughs) Two more episodes he's in, and they're not puns. They're not Q puns. So watch out. There's there's hidden Hidden Qs. Oh, at that point, they realize, you know, let's spring them on. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know when he's coming after that. No. Uh, 
that it's weird because for a character that uh, doesn't appear in the show much, he does have an outsized influence on it, I think, and he does have outsized mind space. And no, I knew I knew him as I knew him, and I knew the Borg as two yeah. major things. And I, as I'm like, I thought they would wore more regular aspects of the show. Like I thought they were featured as much as Guinan features, for example, or right. Klingons or something. Right, right. He's really not in the show. I think he's in it eight times yeah. over seven years. I mean, that's not that much. They did like 170 yeah. episodes or something. Uh, so he's in it like less than Average of 5% season, yeah. of the time. Uh, that, you know, this episode feels really, like he like Q feels incidental to a Q episode. And yeah. if he wasn't in this episode, while the Sherwood Forest stuff wouldn't happen and it would be a different episode, ultimately, I don't think it would have ended in a different place. Well, you know, it's... it's Aside from the fact, yeah. of course, that Vosh goes off with Q. But, you know, I mean, that's... that We're not suddenly going to get a season of that. So it's not really that important. Yeah. I mean, I like... I mean, the whole point of Q episodes, I thought, was just to put him and Patrick Stewart in a room and have them ham it up, you know, and try to see who can... Yeah, maybe add that's... ...add each other. And, you know... All right, you know, we'll see that. At least it'll be funny, but they don't do that. And it's so what's the point of this episode? Yeah, I guess is the I mean, I do I do kind of like the fact that, you know, he appears in the ready room and then he calls in Riker and all he has to say is Q was just here. And Riker's like, all right, Q alert. Well, they, got, he's just got, like, he's, he says he, he wants to do something nice for me. And he's like, all right, I'll alert the city. You know, it's like that's like, you know, so your picture is like. Q's here. He's giving the captain a present. We've got to watch it. He doesn't even do that. He just like taps on his communicator three times and suddenly there's a Q alert all throughout the <laughs> ship. You know, like I feel like that's what would happen. All the screens are just a gigantic letter Q. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, I was, I was sick the last drill. What do we do again? Where's the bunker? Yeah, I think that this one is, again, just average. I will give it to five bow and arrows. Okay. I will give it four and a half because it's the kind of thing where like you know you shoot the arrow and then robin hood shoots the arrow through the arrow yeah i mean you know data got shot shot by troy so that was exciting i guess and it's like all right i i mean and you could tell they did that scene like you could tell the huge laughs they wanted to get in that scene. They're like, oh, my God, this is so funny. We're going to have Data get shot by Troy, and he's going to be just talking calmly about it. It's going to be so much fun, and it's not. That's, and then you yeah. just have them just hanging out in the forest doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It's shot competently. No, they shot him in the chest. Remember? That's all that I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh it didn't have barkley in it all right we've had a couple of didn't have barkley in it that's true uh, although barkley comes back not uh, this season though oh my god is there ever a barkley and q episode tell me now uh i don't think i want to tell you that oh god there is so i'm um, no oh, there's, god no there... i don't want to do that no there's not there's not i don't want to do that to you no they don't appear in the same episode ever i don't think i i might be lying I, but uh, I, I don't think so i you're not giving me any confidence right now I'm going to say the probability of that happening is oh god, fourteen. I do not. At, oh god, there's a Barkley and Q episode. Well, I'm going through my head right now, and I'm thinking about all the episodes that Barkley and Q appeared in, and uh, no, I don't think they ever do. Yeah, but there's like A and B plots. One could and, be an A and, plot, and one could and be a also, B plot. Also, also, horribly, Horrible. you're forgetting that. Q and Barkley don't necessarily have to stop appearing in the next generation. That's all I'll say about that. Richard has such a horrified look on his face right now. I can't even tell you. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right, Richard. Look, let's go get you some whiskey. You'll be fine. Next week, if Richard still wants to continue doing this show, which is an open question at this point, I think. Now that I've laid that bombshell on him. Like, I think you need to hit my control alt delete keys. Like, that, that's, that's what happened. Uh, we're talking about the drum head and half a life. Yeah, that sounds about what I've got. We'll talk to you then.